0: This morning we focus on the fact that the church, the early church was devoted and uh, as far as their devotion is concerned, we looked a couple weeks ago at the passage from the book of Acts that describes what they were devoted to. So I wanted to read that and just take a moment as we begin, not just to identify what they were devoted to, but what I'd like to do this morning is to try to hone in on their devotion and how their devotion is unique. Because as I've told you and shared with you in the past, everybody's devoted. Everybody's devoted. But the question is, what are you devoted to? And then beyond that for today, not just what are you devoted to, but what what is the motivation behind the devotion? Acts chapter 2, 41 to 47 reminds us, those who had received his word were baptized. Peter's been preaching, he tells them to repent and be baptized, and they were. That day there were added about 3,000 souls, day of Pentecost. And then it says in verse 42 of Acts 2, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. They began selling the property and possessions and were sharing with them all as anyone might have need, day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. So verse 42 reminds us they were devoted. They were devoting themselves. And as you may recall from a number of weeks ago, when we were talking about the keys to the kingdom, we mentioned briefly what it is that they were devoted to. It was the end of September. We talked about the fact that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, breaking of bread, and to prayer. And I, I mentioned to you at the time that what that, what that signifies for us is that they were devoted, number one, to the Word of God. They were devoted to the Word of God. Secondly, they were devoted to the family of God. Family of God. The third thing we mentioned back then was that they were devoted to the remembrance of God through communion. And finally, they were devoted to the presence of God in prayer. And so the thing that I want to ask you, what is the common denominator of all of the things that are reflected in Acts 2.42? And the common denominator is God. They responded to the Spirit of God. They embraced Jesus Christ as their Savior and their their Lord, and they were baptized. They were responding to the Holy Spirit, a relationship with God. And so now they are devoted to the Word of God, to the Apostles' teaching. They are devoted to God in the Apostles' teaching. They are devoted to the relationship they have with Christ through the teaching of the Apostles. They are devoted to the family of God and the relationship we share as a family and they shared as a family to their Savior, Jesus Christ, the thing that binds them together. They were devoted to the remembrance of the person of Christ. And they were devoted to speaking to and having an ongoing relationship with their Lord. What happened? What happened? When you look at the progression of the church, and you look at Acts 19, for example, and other places where Ephesus comes into play and other churches are established, And you fast forward about 40 years after the preaching of the Apostle Paul. And then you come all of a sudden full circle to the experience of the church at Ephesus. Not when they started. They started hard. It was challenging. Paul went there and it took two weeks before anything happened. He wondered why even God sent him there. He finally decided he was going to go down to the river and he ran into a couple of people. Lydia being one of them. And then from there, incredible things happened. Ephesus was a very, very big stronghold. It was, it was the crossroads, literally, of the worlds. Everything came through Ephesus. The ports were there. Four major roads throughout the entire world came through Ephesus. It was the place for the worship of Diana. It was a, it was a satanic stronghold. And when the church at Ephesus came into being, it was an incredible movement of God. And people were coming to Christ and growing, and the the transformations were incredible. And, And even Paul, before he left to go to Rome himself, he told them, he said, you guys need to be careful. He called the elders together, and he said, be careful because there will be wolves that will come in to try and destroy you. But it was a strong church, powerful church. They were devoted as this early church was in their inception and beginning. They were devoted to the Word of God, the family of God, the remembrance of God, the presence of God. They were devoted to the same things. The same things carried them that carried the early church. But when you fast forward 40 years and you come to Jesus writing in Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 to 7 about this church, in the first reading of this letter to the church in Revelation 2, 1-7, to 7, the first reading of it, uh, minus verse 4, you have, and verse 5, you have almost no distinction between Acts 2 and Revelation 2. Almost none. Let me read that for you. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write... It's in your program if you want to follow. The one who holds the seven stars in his right hand and the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands says this I know your deeds and your toil and your perseverance, and that you cannot tolerate evil men. And you put to the test those who call themselves apostles, and they are not, and you found them to be false. And you have perseverance and have endured for my name's sake. And you've not grown weary. Verse 6, you have this. You hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Sounds like an Acts chapter 2 church. The deeds of the Nicolaitans, by the way, putting it in simple terms, the Nicolaitans, who some people think was founded by one of the early deacons named Nicholas anyway nicolaitans they took they took the truth of the word of god and basically they they allowed people to live morally and so on however they wanted to you could live however you wanted to as long as you were saved by grace so they went the opposite of the people that were following Paul to try and get everybody to go back to the law, the Nicolaitans were telling everybody, you're saved, you do whatever you want. Go to the temple, Diana, etc., whatever, do whatever you want, you're saved. You're saved. Live however you want. Grace covers it all. (laughs) So they hated the deeds of the Nicolaitans. This was a moral group. This was a group devoted to truth. It says they persevered. It says that they understood and recognized and put to the test those who called themselves apostles that were false apostles, false teachers. So this was a group devoted to the Word of God. This was a group that understood the teaching of the apostles. This was a group that was, that was in tune with God's Word and they could identify false teaching and they dealt with it. They didn't let those people hang out. They didn't give those people a platform. These people, the Ephesian church, like the early church, they were devoted to the Word of God. They were devoted to the family of God. I mean, they they literally practiced, from what I can understand, they practiced church discipline. And when people were messing up and going the way of the deeds of the Nicolaitans and so on and allowing immorality and so on. They were quick to shut it down. They were quick to discipline. They were, they were quick to help other people in the church to recognize what is right, what is wrong, and so on. And they were also obviously devoted to the remembrance of the Lord through communion. And they were a praying bunch. You can tell that from the fact that they persevered. On two different occasions, he says over and over with, with other words in conjunction with it, You guys hang on tough. You persevere. You don't let anything knock you out or get you out of the game. However, however, what happened? Because in verse 4 of Revelation 2, he says, I have this against you. I have this against you. You have left your first love. You've left your first love. What happened? What happened? What's the difference between Acts 2 and Revelation 2? They had the same kind of content, they had the same kind of devotion to the same kinds of things. What happened? You've left your first love. Here's what happened. And this is what really is essential today for us to understand, is that even though they were devoted to the Word of God, they were devoted to the Word more than to God. Even though they were devoted to the family, they were devoted more to the family than to the God of the family. See, they'd gone from where they were progressively into an orthodoxy, into a, into a place where what they knew and how they behaved and the things that identified them were more important than the one who gave those things to them. They lost their first love. That's the difference. They lost the passion for Jesus. They were passionate about truth. They were passionate about all the things that you see in Revelation 2, but they were not passionate about the one who sent them the message. Jesus. Being devoted, being really devoted, I think needs this clarification this morning. We are all devoted. And as human beings, we are devoted to what we can get. Whatever that is. Be it religious be it church-related, be it monetary. We are devoted to what we can get. And if at the crux of this, at the very core of what happened between Acts 2 and Revelation 2, is their love for Jesus. If that's what happened, and I believe it is, then we have to ask ourselves, about this issue of love. <laughs> love. You know, the Bible makes it clear in Deuteronomy 6, 5, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul. Matthew 22 re- re- rehearses that again when Jesus is asked. And then in Mark chapter twelve thirty, the same thing is, de- is described where it's even added with all your strength. Love God. And love your neighbor as yourself. But loving God, loving God, loving Jesus. Are you more in love with Jesus than you were the day you first met him? Or are you in love with the things that Jesus gave you more than you are in love with him? They were in an orthodoxy. In other words, we have to remember humans love for what they can get. God loves for what he can give. God so loved the world that he gave, Jesus said. Paul says, here in his love, not that we loved God, but he first loved us, John rather. Paul goes goes on to say this, that, that even while we were sinners, Christ died for us. He chose and revealed his love for us. Love gives, the love of God gives, the love of human beings seek to get. I mean, just let that sink in for a minute. Evaluate that. There's no doubt about it. No, no doubt about it. People get into relationships for what they can get. Not necessarily for what they can give. And the evidence of that is that when things get tough and they can no longer get the things that they wanted, it's all too often in our society, they go for looking for another relationship. Because you can only squeeze so much out of a turnip. (laughs) Or you go to a job and you're working and you are involved and you are devoted until you're not devoted. Mm -hmm. Because you're no longer getting what you want to get. Or what you expect to get or what you think you should get. They became devoted to what they got. Not the one who gave it. Religious orthodoxy replaced righteous relationship of power and fire. They were going through the motions. They were doing all the right things. Saying all the right things. Taking a stand for all the right stuff. But why? It's like any other religious group or organization. I mean, even if you want to go all the way to the extremes and look at ISIS or, you know, the fanatics, why do they do what they do? It's because of what they can get. Called paradise. Not for God. They don't have a relationship with God. God's impersonal. Christianity is the only, the only thing that offers a relationship with God. It is a personal relationship. It's not a religious event. So they were devoted to a person. And the Word of God represented all that that person was. All the prophecies, all the reflections, all the truth. And so they wanted more and more and more of the Word of God. Why? So they could know the one who loved them more and the one in whom they were in love with. They love the family, not because the family was perfect. Lord knows the family's not perfect. But they love the family because of who the family was. Whose the family was. So, as you and I reflect on this today, I think we have to ask ourselves the question, are we devoted Are we devoted? Yes, we are. We are devoted. What are we devoted to? And it'd be wonderful, it'd be wonderful to say, we are devoted to the very same things the early church was devoted to. And I'd say, you know, that's an awesome thing, but it doesn't go far enough. It really doesn't. It really doesn't. He goes on, after saying, I have this against you, you have left your first love. Remember from where you have fallen, and repent, and do the deeds you did at first, or else I'm coming to you and will remove your lampstand. Out of its place, unless you repent, the church at Ephesus is not there. There's ruins. In fact, all the churches that are listed in Ephesians and Revelation two and three, they're about fifty kilometers apart from each other. They're in modern Turkey. The ruins are. Lampstand's gone. He says, therefore, remember from where you have fallen, repent, and do the deeds you did at first. Three things he says. Number one, remember. Remember from where you have fallen. Again, I go back to this fact. When you read this, and we go through this last section together. Please understand, the issue is not the orthodoxy. The issue is the relationship. I mean, let me just give you an example. You have a couple that get married and after a while, you know, the husband comes home. He says, you know, honey, um, things won't change, but I just want you to know I don't love you anymore. Everything's going to be the same. You know, I'm going to still work and still pay the bills and still take care of you and stuff. I just don't love you anymore. By the way, that's not. I've heard these words from both husbands and wives. I don't love them anymore. That's okay. We'll just hang out together for the rest of whatever time we have until something else comes up. Whatever, I don't know. But we don't love each other. Things won't change, though. It's all going to be the same. Really? It's all the same? No, it's not the same. It's not the same. He says, remember from where you have fallen. Have you ever lost your keys? Where are they? Right where you left them. Right where you left them. Have you ever lost your love relationship with Jesus? Where is it? Right where you left it. And some people think, okay, the answer is Acts chapter 2. The answer is for me to go back to dive in And study and study and study and study the Word of God. The answer is for me to spend hours in prayer on my knees, talking and asking God to help. The answer is to go to a communion service. The answer is to go to a worship service. The answer is to go to a family and hang out with a bunch of believers. Yes, 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 almost. If you don't include Jesus in any of that, it's worthless. Why do you go to the Word of God? So you can increase your brain understanding? Why do you go to the Word of God? So that you can become more knowledgeable. By the way, remember, Paul says, knowledge just does this, puffs you up. Without Jesus, you just get a big head. So unless you're devoted to Jesus, unless you want to know Him, as Paul said, and the power of His resurrection, unless your devotion is tied to your relationship, none of this is going to work. So when he says "Remember from where you're fallen," what is he talking about? He's remember when you decided to take your eyes off Jesus and start focusing on something else, even if it's good, even if it's religious, even if it's righteous. I couldn't resist this, by the way. For those of you who've been around a while, this song really would fit. I almost almost wanted to talk Willis's group into coming in and sharing this with us, you know you never close your eyes anymore when I kiss your lips. There's no tenderness like before in your fingertips. You're trying hard not to show it, but baby, baby, I know it. you've lost that love and feeling whoa, whoa that love and feeling. You've lost that love and feeling, and it's gone, gone, gone. <laughs> That's right. What about you? What about you, really? What about you? Remember where you left him. Remember where you left him. Remember where you left him. What's the second thing he says that we should do? Repent. Repent is, is a word in, our, in, your, in your Webster's or whatever that will basically tell you to feel sorry. But biblically, repentance is not just a matter of feeling sorry. Repentance is an action. It's an action. The greatest action you can see, the greatest example of repentance you can find in the Bible is the prodigal son. The prodigal son, number one, came to his senses. He remembered from where he had fallen. He remembered where he left his love. He came to his senses. And step by step by step, it shows you how the prodigal son came to his senses. He made a decision to go back to his father. He made a decision to tell his father, I don't have a right to be your son. Can I just be a hired slave? And he not only made the decision to do that while he was wallowing with the pigs. The Bible says that the prodigal son got up and went home. And while he was a far way off coming home, the dad saw him coming and ran to meet him. And embraced him. God knows when you make that turn. You don't have to prove anything. You don't have to read 10 chapters, do three Hail Marys, do any of that kind of stuff. God knows when you make the turn. He knows your heart. And when you remember and you start to make that turn and you repent and you start to come home, before you even know it, He's wrapping His arms around you, welcoming you home. No judgment. He's there. Remember, repent. Then the third thing he says is what? And do the deeds you did at first. Again. Is he talking about orthodoxy? He's talking about the heart talking about doing what you did before that sealed your love, that increased your passion, that caused you to become more and more and more in love with Jesus. It's the same thing in a relationship humanly. Remember where you left. Repent and go back. Start to return to where you left. And when you get back there, start to do the things with the same heart and motivation that you did before. It's not about what you do. It's about why you do it. It's about how you do it. And every one of us fall in and out of this feeling of love. Feelings come and feelings go. But what keeps them Returning. What causes the feelings to keep coming back? Devotion to the relationship. Devotion to the relationship. When you look at this passage in Revelation, you understand the early church was devoted and you recognized what changed. Not the orthodoxy, but the love. The relationship. And then you come back to these three things. Remember, he's still right where you left him. Repent. Make the decision to go back to him, to go home. And three, start doing the same things you did before for the right reasons. I've told this illustration I don't know how many times but I've got to tell you again because it, it just is so profound and so profoundly simple. When I was growing up one of my favorite things to do was to watch this little train set that we had in our home We'd go around a tree and stuff and loved it. And the one thing I noticed then and I remember it today the caboose always followed the engine. The caboose always followed the engine. When the feelings are gone, when the feelings have changed, when the feelings are, are fighting for control, you've got to continue to let the train lead you. The facts must lead you. Who God is must dominate your thinking. Your relationship with Him must be a priority even though you don't feel it. As you continue to let the facts drive you and lead you and you continue to do and devote yourself to the relationship guess what will always follow? The caboose, the feelings. They'll come around They'll come around. Just like in a human relationship, sometimes you feel it, sometimes you don't. You stick with it, you're going to feel it again. Same thing with the Lord. Do you think the Apostle Paul felt it in in the jail in Rome, in the prison, in the dungeon? Do you think John felt it on the island island of Patmos? Do you think Peter felt it being crucified upside down do you think Stephen felt it when he was being stoned and prior to that? It all depends on how you interpret feeling it. Right? The relationship is the most important. Remember, repent, return. Some of you remember Steve Green when he wrote this song, I regret the hours I've wasted and the pleasures I have tasted that you were never in. And I confess that though your love is in me, it doesn't always win me when competing with my sin. I lament the idols I've accepted, the commandments I've rejected to pursue my selfish ends. And I confess, I need you to revive me, put selfishness behind me, and take up my cross again. It says, I repent, making no excuses. I repent, no one else to blame. And I return to fall in love with Jesus. I bow down on my knees, and I repent. Are you devoted this morning? The answer is yes. The question is to whom? To whom are you devoted? The greatest way that I know how to return, the greatest way that I know how for us to find our way home is to remember him, to remember what he did. Turn your eyes on Jesus as the old chorus says and look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. So I want you to have a time of response and communion. We're going to spend our time doing that now. As the group comes up, if you'd just pray with me. We're going to worship and I want you to remember, if you need to go home, if you need to come back, if you need to return, I want you to remember where you left him. It's just between you and the Lord this morning. Father in heaven, we just want to thank you today that you love us and that you will love us to the very end and you will pursue us Lord I pray that as the early church was devoted to their relationship with you and everything that they did revolved around that relationship Father so too may we as we see how Ephesus became orthodox without personal relational passion And so, Lord, this morning, take us from Ephesus back to Acts. Lord God, help us this morning to make the turn, repent. Help us to return. Lord, may our worship come from the heart. Speak to us, Lord God, as we lift our voices to you. Speak in a powerful way. For Jesus' sake, amen.